Hey, I'm uh, Fede Alvarez. I'm the director and the writer of this film. Hello, this is Rodos Haggis. I'm the writer. And this is Stephen Lang, and I play the blind man in this film. And we've gathered to a screening of the film with our commentary. To a bunch of logos. But, but it, there, there's definitely something that I, that I think it's... It's the only interesting part, I guess, about the logos is we always we start the movie start right away. Like the the soundtrack, that eerie soundtrack starts on the first image of the movie. There's no, that's hopefully when the audience get hooked, and we never really let them go until the end. Detroit. And there you are, slang. Dragging, dragging that poor girl down the street for real. <laughs> that was a, that was a day. She was, uh, she's, she's a, you know, it doesn't look like, like she's too big, but she got real heavy that day somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did it. We did the shot, I think, two or three times, and 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 I demand you <laughs> to do the whole dragging. There was no no help. It was just you, all muscle, dragging her like three times down the street. Right. <laughs> I think, and this one is the third shot. I remember, it was like at the end of this one, you were like, "Okay, hope you got it." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a beauty. <laughs> you got it good. Yeah. Yeah, it works pretty well. Like the whole, you know, you think you're you're now just suburbia America, and bit by bit. As you get closer to the characters, you realize there's a lot more, you know. Totally. You see him. Don't breathe. I've come to really like the title of this film. Cool. Used to be called Men in the Dark. And well, I was, I was, at the time, I was so wedded to that title. Me too. Eight. I mean, Rhoda and I, we, we love Men in the Dark because it's a name that we stamp on the script when we finish it, but... uh but we got to love Don't Breathe as well. Yeah, actually, I think it changed names more than twice. Really? <laughs> yeah. What were the other titles? There were a lot of them. Don't Breathe, Man in the Dark. The Blind Man was something that we actually were very keen to title at some point. Just Blind Man. Uh-huh. I just, I love Danny's character, you know, just sort of the yeah. cavalier nature of it. He's swag. So most of the movie was shot in, uh, you know, we did Detroit and we did Budapest, and this is actually, it was actually in Budapest, like a house uh, outside a city. Okay. So yeah, I think it's the only location stuff we did in the city, and then the rest of Budapest was all inside the studio. Except, remember, we did shoot the train station. Oh, it's true, the train station, yeah. Which I thought yeah, was just that. great. Yeah, it's the, used to be an old airport, I think. But here we're definitely in Detroit, back uh, flying with the drone around the city. How many days did uh, did we shoot in Detroit? It spent like, like a week there, but we shot like a couple of days, I guess. And this was uh, an entire day of just, you know. It's just a ladybug wheel. Yes, it is. <laughs> and do you get? Do you have like a ladybug wrangler when you're doing? We that? did. Yeah, we did. Well, we had an animal wrangler that took care of from you know from everything from the dogs to to the ladybug. But that was uh, you know one of those strange things of filmmaking. That of course everybody when when 
when on the page says ladybug, everybody goes for CG ladybug right away, and and, and I didn't want to use CG if I if I could help it because it's a movie that doesn't need it, doesn't have it. So just to have suddenly a CG ladybug couldn't be a problem, and uh, and we really went for it, and uh, we had a couple of them. It was very very hot, so ladybugs don't survive until you know under stream heat so you so cannot they, you actually can't put the disclaimer that no lady bu bugs were harmed well, no, the none of them of were harmed it was just the fact that <laughs> we couldn't died. we couldn't find them <laughs> and some of them just died before they arrived on set so but uh yeah but yeah we ended up doing it with a real real lady we laugh now about this <laughs> <laughs> we'll hear about it <laughs> detroit family of alex actually you were saying there's no uh there's no CGI in this, and we never, I don't recall any green screen either, did we? No, 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 no. It's, it's just a, rar uh, it's a rarity these days, my friend. Yeah, but I guess, you know, but I, I like when, when, if you can pull it off, I think it's good. Yeah, make it more classy. But that was the whole approach of this movie. Like, since day one, it's trying to do this, you know, in a very classy way, not doing anything that was you know, top of the line CG or visual effects or anything like that, because stuff like that gets old and, and a good story, I think, will never get old. Um, was this was this script inspired by any by any events you read about in the paper or uh... Uh, I think it was life, right? I mean Rhoda and I were actually driving back from San Diego one day and, and, and we thought uh, we kinda created the character of the blind man and um, you know all the story kind of you know came out of that. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, also, I mean, there, were, there were stories, right? Yeah, with uh, that that case, I don't remember exactly where it happened. This guy that kept uh, a girl in a basement for many, many there years. Was, yeah, there was one in Switzerland, I think, ages ago. And, oh, uh, yeah, and, and unfortunately, there's been many others. And, yeah. and uh, probably there's others that we don't know about. It. That's, uh, those are the scary ones. So the we ones thought, what if, what, if, what if burglars break into that guy's house and right. find this... this uh, crime going on so we thought that would be cool which is kind of the fun of this movie like nobody is good so you were in the car and you just sort of spun the story out to each other yeah i guess so something like that yeah something <laughs> i mean we 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 knew that uh that we wanted to yeah, but now because the whole girl in the cellar thing kind of came later i think the the, the first spark of the idea was to tell the story of um from the point of view of robbers because it's something that you don't see often and and and, and, and you know as far as real life go like house robbers they do have the scariest and 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 very particular adventures every day like even you know regardless of the judgment of what they're doing what they're doing a bad thing at the end of the day there's kids that they enter a house and they try to get away with things and they might get shot and might get killed and they, and, and 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 that happens every day and it's kind of a strange world that we don't really see often in movies like this kind right. of down and dirty greedy you know group of kids that are just breaking into people's houses and taking stuff so and the challenge was obviously getting the audience to care about them so that's why once we learn more about what's going on in the house it becomes that thing of yeah there might be bad but there's perhaps there's even yeah. more evil stuff happening inside the house but at that point I mean that's that that comes you know the, uh, we've gone a substantial way in the film at that point and and uh, before you turn everything on its ear because uh, you know to have these the, these kids be the perpetrators and and my character essentially be a victim you know you establish that 
Yeah. And and it, it, it works beautifully. I mean, and then um, uh, and then the way you you just uh, kind of turn that on its uh, on its ear is pretty fascinating. I think. <laughs> it's good to see how the audience empathy switches from one side to the other and, and, and kind of constantly does that throughout, throughout the movie. But what's just really fascinating about it is just, well, there, there I am. I don't know if you've spotted me there. That was me on the newspaper. It was this illegal immigrant. <laughs> you're, you're blame of, yeah. He said something like illegal immigrant was uh, blamed for two murders or something like that. That's my face in there blurred out. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, the, it's the scene is all about that, right? Like the empathy, trying to understand why she does the sure. things she's doing. I remember this scene used to be different. Uh, she used to live with his father, and his father was an abusive father, a violent guy. Mm -hmm. But then we we thought that it would have been even better if she lived with a mother just negligent, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and then we added that character that's sitting next to her, doing nothing, <laughs> just being very menacing. <laughs> He's got a swastika on his right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if it's, you know, it was not clear sort of enough. Yeah. Right. And she's such a sweet, you know, little charming little yeah. beauty. Yeah, she doesn't do a lot in the movie, but the, she does everything she needs to do, just like by being there and showing... Someone mm -hmm. that really represents innocence and, and that environment that you know that that's not going to last long. And uh, and so we felt it was a good, you know, clock ticking for Everything is a little, a little bit extreme in this scene, but but I think it, it works. We needed to set this up in, in like two minutes. And I think it worked. It's I don't know. I, I don't know that I would have called it extreme. I mean, I think everything is it's on the nose, but it kind of has to be. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's a way of delivering uh, exposition quickly. Uh, yeah, this is the thing with TV, you know, the difference between TV and films. And TV, you have a lot of time to develop these things. And, and this kind of movie, you really have to hit it hard and, and, and you, you, the audience to get it right away. And you have those few minutes to get a point across and mm -hmm. I think it helped I mean at least then from that point on and the audience hopefully will understand that this is very unlikely that she's gonna back away from her goal which is obviously take the money and I, the I think man. it's a real interesting choice that you've made because we're kind of approaching the end of when we're gonna be outside and we have not encountered one other person yeah you know true no one on the streets at all this is it was kind of to give that sense of desolation that detroit might have in some places in particular this kind of neighborhood so yeah it's true that you don't really see anybody else but except from the characters even when they're at the restaurant there's nobody there it's just that that sense of okay they have to get out of here they have to go to some place else is that a new tattoo yeah i got it last night is it a Ladybug. The ladybug again, which of course is the, I don't know what we thought it was, but I think it was always representing that idea that it's kind of the freedom that she's, you know, looking for and she's desperate to get. My mom started drinking and she told me that... Also, they're, I've always associated them with, with luck. Yeah, in the folklore, I think is 
ladybug, you know, you see a ladybug, it's always a happy moment. Oh, like a ladybug. So it's good. Like, yeah, and, and, and I think in War Wife, all glory is always something they associate with good fortune, which is not really coming her way now, but I think eventually in the movie it comes around when she sees it at the right moment. I think this backstory as well it used to be longer in the script, right? Yeah. When I reach California, I'm going to color this tat, and that's the last time I will mark my body. Yeah, and this is the last time in the movie that they will have a moment of peace. I think from this point on, it's going to be nonstop. There used to be actually a shot here, a, a short insert that uh, that um, you'll find on the extras of the DVD on the deleted scenes. But, uh, but I love it. You should check it out, which is the you know, when we get a glimpse of what the blind man is doing. Uh, not right at this moment, but right before this moment, right? And we get we get to know that he's a garden that he does the gardening. gardening scene, yeah, I, remember that. I enjoyed shooting the gardening scene. <laughs> yeah. I saw it, I saw the deleted scene. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Oh, that dog. The dog. The dog gets an award. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Particularly for the for the one that we were on set, and we know that he wasn't hitting his marks all the time. Yeah. But uh, in the movie, really, you know, he does what he has to do. He's very menacing, and it's that extension of the wheel of the blind man, right? Yeah, I think the first the first draft that we wrote didn't have the dog, Mm-mm. and and I think it was it was Fed's idea. Like this guy should have a dog. How come he doesn't have a dog? Right. And the dog turned out to be one of the. A really important element in the movie. That's it. That's it for daytime. I go into nighttime for good. I love this shot here. Hmm. Almost look like they're in space. That <laughs> says something very strange about it. I just read the silhouettes. It looked like three cosmonauts somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Which is what, what I love about that house, that it's usually on, on a scary movie or every time you want to portray the house as creepy, you have a bunch of nice houses and you have a scary house in the middle and you know, the one that is run down and, and not well kept and, and that's a scary one. And here's the, it's completely the, the other opposite. way around. Right. It's the house that is in, in, in good shape in a, in a bad neighborhood and, and end up for that reason being the one that is unsettling. Now we're in studio here. Yeah, that's but, uh, just like that. And and the fact that the house is well maintained that was an important thing, you know, for my character. It says an awful lot about the, uh, you know, the order that he maintains in his life. Yeah, that was CGI, right? That was CG. Yeah, that was the only, well, not the only. I think there's a couple of CG moments in the movie, and uh, that was uh, that's probably the fanciest CG effect in the whole movie. Ironically, <laughs> is the piece of treat of hot dog that is thrown to the dog that to fly over the fence and uh, and land. All that was done actually in Uruguay, in our country. Because the money's in there, and the paranoid fuck doesn't trust nobody. Let's check for a side door. All this, like here, I think this is the moment. You know, when they when they cross that gate, is when the real tension starts. And and it's really what what inspired the whole movie, I guess, was that idea that there's something very scary 
about not just having people, you know, seeing scenes about people bringing it in someone's house, but even if you're with them and you're with the with the housebreaker, like it's it it's always something very tense because for for us, I think for everybody, the the private space and the private property is something that we value so much, and the idea that you know we feel safe inside our house and there's a, there's a common agreement in society that you don't walk into someone else's property and, and so when you see it happen it's it's, it's, it's fascinating how we all collect, collectively and in theaters and everybody wants to watch in the scenes as soon as they cross that line they shoot it and, and they walk into a space that is not theirs it puts everybody in a very very tense mode and I, th that's something that we knew and that's actually what started the conversation when we started talking about about this movie when we think about what we're going to write next after Evil Dead and and, uh, and based on that feeling is that we thought, oh, okay, uh, what would be a story that would take place in that space and that could, uh, you know, like have you on that edge all the time. And and that's when uh, we thought about this this group of kids and who they were going to break into. And uh, and the character of the blind man came out. Here, they're, they're, they're both They're all, in their own way, extremely um, uh, likable kids mm -hmm. uh, I think I mean you kind of get the under, understand where where they're, they're where they're coming from their needs and everything but when they go when they go over that fence they kind of um, you know it's all bets are off in a way they put themselves in in a, a morally uh, you know indefensible position it seems yeah. to me it's you know so in other words well, you're going to get what you deserve, even though you like them. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's what is strange and fascinating about the film as well. And, and, and so far, you know, today we're doing this commentary and the movie hasn't come out yet, but it's uh, so far just a reaction of, of the world based on trailers and what the concept of the movie is. It's, it's very interesting to see how much debate it caused exactly based on what you were saying like they're gonna get what they deserve and and a lot of people see the trailer and they go like well they get what they deserve and other people said well but uh you know the the blind man has was doing his own things as well there but that doesn't mean it's illegal for him to chase them and kill them mm -hmm. uh, if he feels threat and he definitely feels threat particularly because they as we're gonna see now they they brought a gun into the house which you know the blind man's not gonna and it's not going to stop to argue with them and ask them if they're planning to shoot him with that gun. I mean, and so, so that that that's why we we think it makes for a, for a very morally conflictive story to see, which which is the kind of story that we like. We don't like to spoon feed the audience, which you know. With you the know this sequence the here, this, this sequence here is like it's kind of classic, uh, almost James Bond stuff. You know, <laughs> You know, you have to kind of. It's, the clock is ticking down before before the bomb goes off, before yeah. the alarm goes off, or whatever. So it's uh, it's a nice piece of suspense. And here for me is this is one of the. It's the first time that uh, I think in the movies when Pedro Luque, the DP, star showing off. He's showing <laughs> off big time a, here. It's in a good way, because it's one of the most beautiful shots, and how the light from the street hits her eyes as she's realizing that oh there's something love, in this house is a bit more than what this is this think. is a really really interesting beat oh i the, love that the, beat. the picture the upside, upside down. down 
it really tells you, like, yeah, the, the guy is really, really, really blind for sure. But it's also heartbreaking in its way, too, yeah. because, you know, in some weird way, it makes him vulnerable. That's my big yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You think, like, oh, he did that. Uh, like, he uh, it also t tells you that he doesn't have many friends. Like, there's no people right. coming to the house and tell him, hey, you put that picture upside down, you should fix that. Like, he, he's a very lonely man by now. Right, right. Yeah, I found that shot when I saw the film to be really moving. And here, of course, is our long hero shot. That's gonna basically the goal, obviously, to get from to start. To, it's basically the shot that switches points of view in the movie mm -hmm. that shows you the story from their point of view, and, and, mm -hmm. and it's gonna end up over the shoulder of the blind man, showing how how scary it is for him to be home invaded without him knowing it. And as well, obviously, it's telling, it's showing all the pieces get to play a part in the movie, right? But I mean, you know, it's 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 fascinating because what you just showed there was a tool room, an orderly tool room, and there's nothing intrinsically threatening about that, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I mean, it's tools that that he's laid out to do jobs around the house. And but yeah. the audience knows. Of I think course, the audience in see that hammer. We push in into that hammer that we did. <laughs> Is it all, these are all pieces that are going to come back, right? The bell that is going to be, that is the alarm system that the blind man has for what's happening in the cell. We're cellar. still in one shot here, aren't we? Yeah, it's a, it's a one single shot that Maybe. starts at the door and ends up uh, upstairs. Of course, uh, we'll know that the money is right somewhere there, closet, and the door to the cellar. It's all the pieces that, and, you know, like we always talk, remember that we always talk about this movie being kind of kind of a chess game between these two parts. And uh, so this is a moment where we we show the kind of the rules and uh, who are the players, you know, what door is locked, what door is not locked right. before kind of the game starts. Right, stick out the terrain a little bit. Also here, like you start, I think also the first time that you start feeling uh, Roque Baños. A magnificent soundtrack, which is like he said, it was, uh, you know, the whole music was actually done through not uh, classical instruments, but mostly pipes and, and weird instruments that he that he found uh, made by a guy in, mm. in Tucson that uh, created his own instruments in the, his backyard and um, called an orchestra. And, uh, and then this whole shot, you really get to enjoy that soundtrack. and. And like Roger said, it's like the it's like if the house was singing like this unsettling song. Right. Oh, I get a glimpse of the daughter. She's curious, like of course the TV's there, but he doesn't watch the TV. So it's, it's I thought it was interesting to have it like point in a strange way, like not towards the house, no, not towards the bed, but he he used it just to fall asleep to the sound sure, of his daughter. Sure, just provides a soundtrack for his life, I think. And, yeah. Uh, it's like a lullaby for him. Here we are. Like just like that, we switch point of view now with with him, as he's the main character of his of his movie, right? Like he's the hero of his movie. Like he's uh, just sleeping, not bothering anybody, and and there's a guy walking into his room, right? Very cocky guy, by the way. Very, yeah. <laughs> like that move. I love that what Danny does there. He just stops and enjoys his kind of moment of bravery, right? 
That was an interesting uh, and cool cut you did there. Like he's so Rather fast. Than doing, seeing the rise up, you know. Yeah. I think this this moment is kind of setting the tone and the dynamics of the whole movie. Yeah, the idea that he he really can hear anything. Like he has he has a he has a good well trained ear. And the, the detail of the the cross and the wall, which is uh, again part of the amazing job of uh, Neyman Marshall, the production designer, that uh, had so many little details here and there. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, you see the cross, it used to be a cross in the wall. If you take a look above right. the bed, you see the shape of the cross, but the cross is not there anymore. So it oh, tells oh. a little bit of the fate loss of this guy. Done. Dude, guy's gassed out. He's 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 out. He's I think the fact that the dog went down the same way, mm -hmm. got neutralized. I think it makes the the guy getting neutralized almost a complete immediate buy as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you think about it, you know he's gonna be he's gonna wake up. But somehow it's very helpful. First the dog and then him. Yeah. It supplies them with the feeling of confidence that they can make noise if they have to. Yeah, we look at the movie now, like I'm realizing all the little details that we with Rhoda we had to do research on, you know, experts on how to do all these crimes, right? How do you put someone to sleep? I mean, the the whole gas thing, the, the gas bottle actually, we never really got to the bottom of it if it was a myth or reality, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of that myth running around in Europe that they say, people say that if you take a train, a night train in certain parts of Europe, people walk into the train and they, you know, just robbers will may go into your wagon and, and, and put a, some basically smoke you while you're sleeping and you just fall into a deeper sleep and they, you know, they will rub whatever you have with you. And uh, then we read that it was actually a myth that nothing can actually do that to you, but we prefer to believe that that it doesn't works. Matter. I mean, but, urban but, myth is, is but the cool thing is that we may think that maybe they thought it was true, but it clearly didn't work. Yeah. Right. And it's another one, like the silencer made with a bottle, which again, I never saw it in a movie before, but which is, we read about it and we heard about it, a lot of people and the, the gun experts in uh, in this movie actually told us about it. So like there's a way to do a homemade silencer, which is just with a bottle. And and then of course, like to YouTube, you have a lot of videos of people shooting guns inside bottles just to show how it works and it definitely works. Mm. It muffles the, the gunfire. But obviously not, uh, it didn't muffle enough because here we are. Oh, who's there? And this is definitely one of those moments that when we were writing the script, like you could just, you knew there was going to be an intense scene, right? Yeah, this is this was always my favorite scene. This is the first time the Stephen Lang's character speaks, and he sounds like a normal, harmless man. He's scared, right? He's scared, yeah. We we talked about this a lot. Remember when we were shooting this and, and and did it quite a number of times, trying to modulate, you know, the amount of fear Stay right with strength. But that that's what I love about your work in this scene. I can see how 
I mean, knowing what I know about his about the character, knowing knowing all his secrets, like right there, I can see how he's like. At first, his reaction, of course, he doesn't know how much they know. Maybe maybe they took her away already. Maybe she's gone. Maybe she's you know that uh, precious you know <laughs> cargo she, he has in the cellar. Like it's uh, maybe she's not there anymore. And I guess by this point, I can see how you start realizing that they haven't opened the door yet. Well, they did, but they're not down there yet. They don't know. They don't sound like they know what's going on, and and how you go from being startled and scared to suddenly, you know, I can see, I, I can hear your thoughts as you go. Okay, I gotta do this. Like I have to. It's interesting to to see how he made a choice in a second. It was like, okay, I have to take care of this guy. There's no way around it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a point that we actually, we we never really seriously thought about doing it, but uh, I, I, I fantasize about the idea of making this movie black and white because there's something so classic film noir of, of Hollywood that it has, well, particularly know, you, with, uh, with you Pedro have a section Steve. coming up that is total noir, you know, yeah. right? I mean, you did it, <laughs> and the the colors are so rich. I think yeah. that it's. It makes it a pleasure to watch, even when you're watching what you're watching is not all that <laughs> pleasurable yeah. in a way. This is this is a very important moment for Mani's character because at the end he is he redeems himself, right? It's saying that that it's just him in the house when when the blind man asks how many of you are there. So before he dies, he's doing something, at least something. Yeah, good. he's doing good for her. Like he's he might have cowered up and saying and asked for help or tell his witness there as well. Maybe that that perhaps you know he might have thought that I was going to save him. I don't think he would have. But poor Danny, you really rough him up there. Like <laughs> I think I told you about the story. Like when. Uh, First, I think the first the the first uh, kind of really rough encounter that we shot was uh, actually later on the movie was you against um, against uh, Alex, right, played by mm-hmm. Dylan Minnette. and and after that day, Dylan was like, oh man, like he he went to to Danny, uh, Danny Savato, who plays Lamani, and and warned him about that. He warned me like, look, he. If you ask Slang to bring it, he will bring it. So you should, you better be ready because it's gonna be a tough scene. And your body's gonna it's gonna be in pain you for know, the rest I, of the week. And I you remember. know, I've, I've heard that, and <laughs> and the thing is, I take I take slight exception to it because I, we were pretty careful. The fact is, no, of course, it's rugged it's always stuff. Safe. Oh, no, you know what I mean? There's no way to fake that. There's no way to fake <laughs> yeah. that. And, I, and me as director, the last thing I want is to see a lot of that thing be fake too much. And actually, remember that Danny always tells the story that he actually asks you, like, you, you got to bring it. Like, just bring it. Like, I, I, I'll take it. But then uh, at the end of that day, he was, I remember coming back to me and go like, oh, man, <laughs> he was terrified. But that's a great thing. And I think that's something that, that you really brought to the film and the set that... Uh, and every time we walk on set, I could feel these kids, you know, because, you know, they're just, a lot of them, they're just making their second, third movies, except for uh, uh, Dylan over there, who made like 20 movies by this point. <laughs> he's been working since he's five. But, uh, 
but they you know there was a sense of respect and fear that that I enjoy so much watching and you can I think see. a lot of that fear because as a rule I was just pretty quiet in between takes just yeah. kind of sitting there quietly yeah. I think that it was them doing their work that they were projecting an awful lot of intimidation you know from me that 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 I was just sitting there. They were doing. They were doing my work for me. They were just wonderful. I thought so game, yeah. so canny. Each one of them. Uh, you know, I really think the, it. the physicality in the way that you guys play those those scenes is very very important. One of the things that we were kind of uh, nervous about when we came up with the idea is that if this guy is a blind guy uh, and there's three kids, like people are going to be thinking, why don't they? take on him like why don't yeah, they why did fight just him jump on him and that's it and yeah. yeah but 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 in that scene where you fight money and then you start punching the wall mm -hmm. and <laughs> yeah. it's clear that you, it's not an easy task so that that's that makes the whole premise works otherwise yeah. work otherwise i think it it would have collapsed sure. yeah there's not a single moment in this movie when you feel when you think as an audience oh but they should just jump on him <laughs> there's no way like the you know like this guy shot stuff like he established dominance like even though he doesn't know he's here like he's dominating the house in a way and they're like just cowering in corners and let's get to look at that how small he shot. is right there yeah and also let's not forget that uh, I, I think part of the thing that made the your presence so menacing and and, and made all this so real i guess well, that with the the context lenses that you were wearing, like you can, how much you could see, you can really see a lot, right? So remember that you, somebody will bring you to the set, and you were really becoming that character in so many levels. It's just the fact that you got to know that house pretty well, and you really, mm. uh, you know, I don't remember seeing you bumping against anything and doing the whole making of the movie. You you could barely see with those, right? Right. I mean, you know, the the, the lenses were extremely helpful because there are. You know, uh, they're a constant um, uh, obstacle and a constant reminder uh, because I can. It cuts your vision down by somewhere by seventy yeah. percent, and the rest of it, that other thirty percent, you kind of just let go. You know, you, you know, you just sort of glaze out. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was uh, it was extremely helpful, but so much of the blindness when I watched the film is um, really sold by the direction that you would give me when you would say, slang, um, look, you know, just tilt your head that way more. And it all had to do with how the, the camera was perceiving me, you know, perceiving my relationship with whoever else was in the room or what I was listening to. So uh, it was a, that was a good duet, I thought, between that <laughs> actor and director, and, uh, or trio, really, between yeah. actor, director, and the camera itself. One of the things, uh, the things that I love that you brought uh, is the idea of those marks in the wall that that was not on the script. Obviously, the fact that that you know the the, the guy he gets around the house touching the wall, touching yeah, the wall. The so there should be those stains in the wall, those marks. It's been happening it's for a long, track. long time. Yeah, it's production designer as well. Like uh, Neil Marshall had, had so many details like that that you can really believe that. This house is a place that he has lived for a long time. Yeah, like this one, like it's the last 
when would uh, Alex try to do the right thing, right? He he believes she called the cops, and if they do that, perhaps, you know, they might hear there. I mean, they might go to jail, perhaps, but at least they're not going to die. And, and Alex is really trying to get her out, alive out of here. Yeah. But, uh, but she has different plans. She's the boss. She <laughs> really is the boss. And it's really cool how, you know, like, things... Uh, went south money got shot <laughs> but at the same time they find the money and it's even a lot more money than they thought it was going to yeah, be right. so that raises it's because they would no show it the like watching it realize that there's no there's no more the camera never shows you the money like look the money they never pushes inside the box it never shows you the back you just see them you see the blocks of money and they're even blurry most of the shots but uh because the movie, because the story was never really about the cash, but you know they have something that they want. I like well, how that. Her movie is about the money. <laughs> yeah, know, of course. Yeah, but it's in a way like I don't know the way it's played over there. Like it's it's so much more about what she wants to do against what he wants to do at some point. That was. Why did you go outside there? Why were we on that? Uh, oh, on because that he said. Uh, he says out loud, uh, out loud that the, that's the way out. And right. uh, he says the, the storm door, door seller. And just to remind, it's a brief reminder to the audience that what was that door? I think it really helps to, you know, just the audience to know where we're going and where they're trying to achieve. Uh, I don't like when in stories like this, the audience get confused about where they're really heading and where they're going and what, what's their plan. And I'd right. like to be very clear and precise. But, you know, what's the, what's the plan here for these kids? Uh, that's, that makes a lot of sense. I think this, this scene is kind of like uh, the spirit of the whole movie. Like, this is where we wanted to get with the idea of the guy being blind. It's, it's really when we start thinking about the, the movie and the idea of the movie, thinking about these moments is when we thought, oh, that's, it's going to be special. Like, this it's worth making. Like, it's just I never see this scene before. You know, right here is almost like a ghost story. Like it's, hmm. it's almost like for you, right? For the blind man, it's a ghost story. There's, there's a presence in his house that, even though he can see it, he, he suspects it might be there. But they, it's, it's such a strange thing, and it works. And it works so well for me. Like it, everybody, it's ghosts that you can shoot. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> Here's when the title really that comes back to you. I'm really waiting for them to do. And the breathing that you hear is actually the blind man. The breathing is heavier than anybody else. That's great. I can see that he's worried and he suspects there might be someone. <laughs> oh, this is so fast. And also, like, I hear, I guess this moment is very important. I mean, that already happened before, but something that we really want to get out of the way that we want to make sure that the audience doesn't suspect that the big twist of this movie was going to be oh he, he can actually see right <laughs> like that would have been terrible so we really with scenes like this one is when you know that that, that there's no that we're not hiding anything from the audience and also how dangerous he is right he like he hears the cell phone and reacts in a fraction of a second and shoots spot on yeah yeah, like the it's yeah. This is a time, but this moment, the movie, you know, has it introduced. Like this is them against him, and this is how good they are, and this is how good he is. Right. So we'll see if they manage to get away with the money, right? That this, could happen right now. Yeah. From a point of view. Yeah. 
because yeah, I was, I'm curious. I don't know if the audience expected it or not. If if they know what's coming, I'm sure the audience knows there's something more to it. And some, but I don't think, at least in the first screens that we had of this movie, like you could. See, realize what because because people were coming in without seeing any trailers or anything they didn't know anything about it and at the, the you know the moment is coming right now it's such a huge surprise for everybody that's a great moment as well we're exploring all his, his senses we already explore how he can hear anything and now we're going to explore how he can smell anything <laughs> Which again, and it's not. I think people tend to believe that uh, blind people actually have better, mm -hmm. better smell. But that is, it's not really that. It's just that they they pay more attention to it. They have a, they have developed them more just by using it more than we do. But it's not a super sense. We never went too far in that aspect. I mean, anybody can smell a pair of smelly shoes <laughs> oh my god And Moni's shoes are the first ones he found. I'm sure they're quite smelly. Things are gonna turn upside down pretty fast. That money's gone. Yeah, it's like I love how vulnerable you are there. Like how the audience will feel. Oh man, he was. They they fool him. They they made a fool out of him by looking over his shoulder and, mm. and seeing the code and that's what's going through his mind i guess it's so frustrating and at the same time puts that's the moment that and the whole movie i think it's just that moment there when the blind man realizes he's been you know he's just been fooled by this kids like it's when your empathy is really with him it's like so strongly with him i think most of the audience at this point is like why they did that to him that's right but and, and at that moment, we changed everything around by well, showing this girl. That was uh, the piano mo moment there. <laughs> remember the sitting on the piano? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think he actually can hear some of that. But it's, and, and also, like, there's a. It's a great job of uh, Garner Girl, the gold, the, the editor, when he. We basically decide, let's not show her right away. We we see a mm -hmm. jump, we see that someone shows up, but instead of staying there and showing the audience what was that, we just cut back upstairs to the blind man and stay with him and basically get the audience to be desperate to go back in there and real and and find out what what that was and who was that girl. <laughs> He did a good job there. Like the blind man did a great job taking care of her with the cushions and mm -hmm. the plants to have oxygen. Yeah, it kind of gives new meaning to the term man cave, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we have to get her out of here. No, 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 Rocky. So that first, that short glimpse of the newspaper, it's like basically it's when they find out that she was solved the crime that um, she actually did something terrible but uh, she was found innocent but that doesn't mean she was innocent I, I, I mean believe she was very very guilty 
But uh, the law found, found her innocent. And we'll find out more about that eventually when the blind man talks about it. But um, this is actually the first, not the, f yeah, this is actually probably the first or second shot you did actually as in character as a blind man. Huh? This is the first day on set, I believe. I hang off the thing. Yeah. And look down. And mislead the audience to believe that you, you're going after them. Which is something that we during the, during the writing and, and and not just the writing the, and the making, we always try to keep close attention to those details and and make sure that every movement they make makes made sense. And, and, and I think here, it wasn't just for the value of the shock of what, what's going to happen next, but uh, I think, I don't know if you agree, Slang, but I think it made complete sense that if he went after them, it, that may have gone wrong because he, he will suspect that's how smart he is. He knows that if they took the money out of his safe upstairs that means they know the code if they know the code he knows that this is the same code from the same downstairs which means they might have them the keys already which means if he decides to go after them and maybe he doesn't he doesn't manage to get to them maybe mm -hmm. they block a door or something they will get to this door before he does and they will be out and it's not, it's not good for him so he, that's why i think he very quickly put all that together turns around and decides to to wait for them on the other side, right? Absolutely. Since they've gone down the rabbit hole, there's only he knows they're coming out. There's only one way for them to come out now. Yeah. So and he's doing more than that, actually. But this point, he already we'll find out later. But by this point, he he already took the dog. He put him inside the house, and he's he went after them probably because now he's gonna go. He's gonna go after them, but we'll we'll see eventually that the dog is already inside the house. So he done all that very quickly. Right. Like he ran out, took That's the dog catch. inside, closed the door, and went after them. So it's 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 incredible. I would love to see this movie all over again, just from the point of view of the blind man and realizing all the clever things just doing one after the other. I think this is a, an inter interesting twist. We just introduced this girl and she's dying already. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's gonna be about okay. Now it's all gonna be about are gonna are they gonna be able to save the girl? But very quickly. Well, she's you've gone. already uh, established your credentials as as somewhat merciless, you know, <laughs> in, in and I mean that in a very good way, be, by because money, you know, the dispatching of money is 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 quick and it's early. Yep. And, uh, you know, and he's a substantial character. He cuts a wide swath while he's there. But if you can kill him off, well, then you dudes are capable of anything. Yeah, I think that was w one of the first ideas that we got. Like, these guys break into this uh, this blind man's house, and one of them dies right away. Mm -hmm. That will make you nervous and tense throughout the whole movie. And, uh, you would know that he's he doesn't hesitate. Like, there's no, the blind man didn't even... I mean, he asked one question, the only relevant question, who was how many people is in the house, and, you know, hoping that he might or might not be honest, or maybe he mm -hmm. might cut him lying. And... I love this scene, too. This, this, is, this, is, uh... this raises a lot of questions as well, right? Like, why is he feeling this so much? Wow, yeah. Did an amazing job here, Slang. I was so... Uh, it's one of those that... 
when you know when you're shooting so it's hard to get into this for the director it's hard to get in the emotion of the movie you're like so there's so many things you're paying attention and remember this one was one of those that while i was watching the shot and was happening i felt like i was in the theater watching the movie i was so excited just there just the, the emotional transformation from being in hunter mode and realize what they just did and oh man now it's personal before it yeah. wasn't personal it was like i don't care who you are you're just gonna die because you know my secret and i cannot let you go now i think it's personal it's just right. like well there's i mean the thing that the prevailing thing that goes on when he when he knows who 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 it is 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 this feeling of being bereft immediately you know I, but there's no time for that there's no time for grief at all because he's in a war zone here you know yeah, yeah. i mean because his feelings about that girl are rather complex <laughs> yeah <laughs> they are but it's because mostly about it's not but i mean he definitely has i'm sure he has feelings and 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 he doesn't He's not. He's not a guy that is taken by hate. I don't think he's in that place right now. He's past that probably. But he. He definitely. You know, we'll find out later. She's. She was pregnant. So that scene there is his daughter dying again. Like it's. Uh, right. That's why I think it's so powerful because he's been through that already. Probably when, when he f find out about his daughter dying, and we always imagine that he he was actually on that day on that when his, his daughter got run over, like he was right there in his house and ran to her body. So, I think that for him it's just re going through that pain again, you know. So that's why he makes it so determined because from this point on there's no hesitation, there's no fear. Whatsoever, from the point of view of the Bayman, he's like completely full on yeah. in hunter mode, right? But you know, if he take, if he had the moment to think about it, he wouldn't have been surprised, because yeah. everything that life has given him has just been a kick in the ass. <laughs> I love that fan thing, by the way. <laughs> How he knows every detail, and of course, all this scene—it's it's one of my favorites in the but movie. But it's kind yeah. of—it's sort of whimsical in a way, because I mean, you know, he could just touch the fan, but it gives a little just skin. Just a little spin. <laughs> this scene was also. Uh, one of the earliest ideas that that, that we got, we, yeah. we we knew that we were going to kill one of them pretty quick. We knew that we were going to have this full dark scene. Hmm. This this took so much uh, preparing, thinking like it's just in the early stages of pre-production. Like with uh, with Pedro, the, the DP, we, we were like, okay, there's many things we need to solve here, but the main one is how are we gonna do the darkness scene? Like there, on the page it says, well, he flips the switch and everything goes completely dark, mm -hmm. which of course gives us moments like this one we're looking at right now, which is our unique and. Well, she look at the way she's she's just selling it so beautifully right there, isn't she? Yeah, totally, you really believe she's doing it. You see, I don't know if you noticed, but every time you shoot the gun, there's color mm -hmm. pumping into a shot like. So of course, the logic is if there's no light, there's no color, right? And um, so that's why it, I think the audience buys it so well that the black and white and the no shadows uh, you know, tells that indicates that there's no light. But every time you shoot the gun, it's, uh, there's muzzle flash. <laughs> By the way, but for anybody that is thinking, oh, conveniently, he ran out of bullets, we actually count all the bullets and it's exactly precisely how many bullets there's I'm, in that gun and the ones that he shot are exactly the guns the the, the the bullets that you have on that gun 
No, I, uh, I remember that discussion as well. <laughs> we count them all of them, and we, and particularly when we were editing, because we, you might have shot more shots like in the, in the shooting itself, but then when we cut the movie, we made sure that right. uh, we have the exact amount of bullets that is on that gun. Come on, come on, And as well, there were. This was a combination of the light coming from the camera and a whole treatment. But as well, they, they had contact lenses, like making their eyes look uh, dilated, um, the pupils dilated. And, and and but of course, Jane Levy and Dilmet did an amazing job selling the, the the full darkness. They did, and it's it's not just the eyes. Also, it's sort of the the uh, it's the open mouth. Yeah, you know, in a way. When you think it's over, it's just beginning. That's what happens constantly in this movie. Try to blow key. Do it. <laughs> dog. There's actually three dogs in this movie. Right. Like three different dogs that you see in the movie. I'm trying to remember the names. Oh, uh, gosh. I can say that. There's, there's Athos. There's one of them. Athos. I, I thought there was a. Oh, you think the other one? It was an Porthos and Aaron. <laughs> I don't think exactly. it was. Yeah. I love this twist as well. When suddenly he decides to sit down, which obviously wasn't in the script or wasn't in the plan. It was just we were shooting the moment, and and when the dog was supposed to be looking fierce, he decided to just sit down. But I ended up keeping it in the editing. And I thought it was a really good twist for the scene that yeah. he actually talks to <laughs> him, and maybe he talked him down. Like some right. dogs, if you if you talk to them calmly, they might respond to that, but. And he's also a little hungover. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this is, I mean, the dog was actually chasing them, so <laughs> so they were, there was no fake in there as well. I mean, yeah. I mean we were guaranteeing guaranteed them that the dog wasn't going to attack them, but they weren't counting on it, <laughs> on the promise. They were just running right. like maniac, trying to get in the room before the dog got to his mark. <laughs> You're back. Well, they felt the same way about the dog that they did about me. That were yeah, sure. sort of slavering, you know, maniacs. And, and the dog was a sweetheart just like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing here. It's like it's, it's one of those stories where, it, it, regardless of what the blind man is, there's no question in any moment there everything he's doing if you were him you would do the same thing there's no there's nothing to talk about it with them there's nothing to you know there's no conversation to be have i mean the blind man has to get rid of them because he there's no way he can let them go and and trust that they're not going to tell his secret or anything like that like no. there's no way around that so like we remember that we talk about this many times and like his goal is not to make them suffer he, he really doesn't want to punish them or make them suffer or he, it's not about that he just have to kill them but, you know there's this uh, to, to me there's this sense of outrage in this film that this this outrage was perpetrated against him against his life yeah you know it's gonna he's gonna talk about it uh, a little bit you know yeah. in terms of God and everything but, um, and it's just, um, he, he just will not allow that. He needs, he's, he's, he, he's, he becomes proactive. It's almost, it's everything he's doing. Yeah, it's against these kids, but it's really against the world. It's against the cosmos. It's against yeah. God. It's against this, everything that has just destroyed 
his being. I, I think that, that, that what you're saying is really spot on and, and, and that uh, is a common thing for all the characters in the movie. The, the Rocky's character kind of feels the same way. She feels like life hasn't given her anything. Uh, in fact, she's been very unlucky with the life that she got. Mm. And she's in, in a way trying to bring justice on her own terms. Like she feels entitled to, to do this, to go get that money. She feels like she deserves that. Uh, I think all the characters are trying to to, to bring justice their own in their own way. Mm. And that's kind of the moral of the story. I think it's like if, if all of us just decide to to violate all the rules and just go and get whatever we want or feel we deserve, like you, you get this kind of scenarios, right? Like because she will find out. She she basically finds someone that thinks, ironically, just like her. Like the Blyman and Rocky have a lot in common, being just the Blyman's been through a lot more than she did. But uh, they, all, they both believe that they have the right to break the rules just to get what they feel they deserve. And um, and uh, leave to the audience mm-hmm. to believe that's right or not. But that was definitely the, the thematically was a strong you know, just driving the way, force for uh, us. I just want to cut in. So the way yeah. that the dog Athos, the way he kind of has to crouch his way through there and everything <laughs> like that, it just that in of itself, it's in two shots, is just so alarming. He sort of looks like a gigantic rat in yeah. a way, yeah. you know? I but, remember when we were, we were writing the script, we had uh, this experience on, on Evil Dead with, with the dog that we used in that movie, and it was so hard to get that dog to do anything, anyway. like the, like the <laughs> smallest things, like just mm. like, hey, come here, he wouldn't do it. And and then we we went on and wrote all the scenes with the dog, and we're like, we're never gonna find a dog that's gonna do that. <laughs> and fortunately, this amazing dogs, no, yeah. the, the Hungarian up. dogs are very, yeah. Very, yeah, they're the best, yeah. the best. <laughs> that's a great twist as well. Like, how do you think the Blyman's guy actually went upstairs and and fools him again? Like, it, he's always showing up in the places that you don't think he will. Oh, it's great, because you're just exploiting the geography of this house, you know, to, to, uh, almost to the max. But about what you were saying, you know, it, it, both for uh, uh, Jane and the, and the blind man, um, they're taking responsibility for their lives as well. I mean, it's kind of they're making they're making the existential choice that yeah. they're not gonna, you know. Yeah, they're al- not gonna go quietly into the dark. They're not just gonna let life. I, like, they're not gonna accept that. Well, that was just bad luck, and, uh, and that's the life they got. And that's right. it. They're gonna right. They're gonna take matters in their own hand and change faith. It's almost like they know they they going. They might take a path that is just gonna be constant darkness and it's just trying to find a way to break out of out of there right by all means necessary that's that's what they're all doing it's again a beautiful moment of mixing a lot of the new beautiful techniques of cinema it's just the silence the camera work the light everything works so well for me in this in this yeah and the title comes in right, <laughs> comes to you again, like the don't breathe. It's like makes it, and that he made a mistake. He prayed in. Here we fool the audience with the montage a little bit. They mm-hmm. don't know it, but it's been a time jump there. Ah! That was definitely fun to shoot. 
This was a this was a rugged set to be on, right? Oh here. yeah. Because well, it's all this is all real. Yeah. It's not like there was a lot of rubber stuff going on yeah. here. <laughs> ah, that hurt. I remember that. That hurt. Yeah. Yeah, because I think he missed the countdown or something. And he surprised you with it like out of time. I like that this is the first hint that we give that if there's a sound, uh, loud sound in the place, then his powers disappear. Yeah. Like that, his weakness, like too yeah. much, too much noise. And eventually, it will be some sort of demise for him. Yeah, but even like uh, when you're watching the movie, like uh, I get this moment. Do I really want him to grab the gun and shoot the blind man in the head? Like I, I don't really know if I want that. I don't think the audience wants that. Right. They, they want them to live, but that—that's what makes it. I think that that's what makes the movie effective is that you understand that at the end of the day, even though he's doing something terrible, he's in his house, and a lot of things he's doing, he has the right to do them, and 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 that makes it so complicated and so complex and and that level. Like you don't if, if the if Alex would have reached that gun and shoot the blind man in the head and leave, I don't think the audience would have been satisfied. It would be like, yeah, what? like he just, they bring it to this guy, how they murdered him and take his money away. Like, yes, he was, like it would be a terrible ending. So that's why it puts the audience in a place that they want them to leave, but they don't want them to shoot the blind man. It makes it so complex and uh, it puts the audience in a great place, I guess, to be because they want to know how it's going to end up. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the blind man, from my point of view, has has at this point earned, he's earned a lot of points. I mean, yeah. there's reasons for his his sickness, his his you know his his pathology, but there's also a lot about him that, you know, he's got his own integrity, seems to me, and I yeah. think people respond to that to an extent. Yeah, well, it, and 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 obviously, just the fact that he's. Is a blind character that first we all see kind of almost, you know, the audience look at the movie and when they when he gets introduced, you kind of look down on him, like, oh poor guy, we kind of feel pity for him. And and you realize now that, you know, that you should feel pity for the kid for the kids and not for him. So it's such a it's it's and I think that's quality that's in regardless of what he's doing and the terrible things he's doing, like the audience admires that. The fact that a character that was introduced in a way that made them feel pity for him because he was just blind and then he was living by himself and all this tragedy. Like, not really how capable it is and how he doesn't let something like blindness, like, stop him. No, there's a... There's full, a fully, fully functional, right? No, I mean, the first time you see him, he's walking the dog. He's yeah. doing, like, you know, kind of yeah. an all-American activity. Yeah. And here again, I think as soon as she's hitting that, the audience knows, like, she shouldn't be making that sound. And that's that's <laughs> a CG hand. That's actually the only CG hand. They have one of the biggest CG elements, and that, that's something actually I personally did on my computer when I realized I, I didn't get the shot because you originally you grab her hair, but right. but it wasn't on the shot and it wasn't so effective. And I remember like on in the movie, I just opened my laptop and I did like let me let me put something together, and I and I did the shot that I thought it was gonna be a mock-up and end up in the movie, end up being that shot over there. I love this moment. Like something that uh, that I, I stole from Hitchcock, who said that he shot he shot love love scenes like dead scenes and uh, dead scenes like love scenes. And yeah, this definitely looks more like a love scene 
on the setting and there's no cuts. It's just like a, this long uh, guy uh, agony, right? I, and I, I'm just I particularly like with those, uh, the, using those short punches. You know, there's nothing. Yeah. Many times in movies, you see kind of these long loping punches. Yeah. And these are those are just little sh three short punches. Yeah, they, they look so painful. What's interesting yeah. about that moment is that uh, I'm not exactly sure when he realized that this that there was a girl in this uh, mm -hmm. pack of thieves, and yeah. and he made the choice. Okay, this is uh, this is actually actually good. Mm -hmm. I might. Well, yeah, I'll argue that. I don't know when exactly that happens, but it could have happened also when he finds the shoes. When he smells her shoes, I think he knows. Like we were joking, he knows he's a girl, and he knows that. He maybe he even knows that she's having her period, <laughs> like stuff like that. <laughs> like, mm, I think she has her period. That, that would have saved her, actually. Yeah, but I mean, the idea that he can use her because the other girl is when dead. When does that happen? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think if if you want to project it into that into the kind of weird love scene upstairs that yeah. we just saw, you can yeah. do that. Yeah. You know? But that's for. Please let me go. I think dialogues come back here, which is uh, the funny and interesting yeah, thing about the movie. Nobody said anything yeah, for a long 40 time. minutes. <laughs> yeah. I wanted her to pay. I understand that. I won't tell anyone. You understand nothing. Yeah. And the audience doesn't understand it. <laughs> like, it's one of those moments that you'll find out with the truth about who he is. Between a father and his child. I love this speech. It used to be longer, and uh, they end up going a little bit down, and I think on the delete scenes, you, you hear more about it. Which, it, it was, of course, now because it wasn't great, I think it was, it was amazing, but it was one of the things that less was more the more mystery we could keep around him. And again, like we'd never want to do the villain that just over explain his life and his plan. So I think we don't have the, the exact amount that we needed there, I guess, for to That's know what his I feelings. When I saw it, I knew, I couldn't remember exactly what was not there, but I knew there was something, but it didn't seem that it was missing anything. Yeah. Either, so, and then I saw the deleted scene. I went, oh yeah, that stuff. That was good too. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like that thing. He doesn't, he doesn't have, he doesn't need to talk with her. Like he's past all that. Like he explained himself or like, and I think part of him wants to feel human and less evil about what he's doing that deep inside he knows that is a bad thing, but he's trying to be, he's just, of course, turning a blind eye oh, but, on what yeah. he, on what he's doing. And that's why I think he explained himself a little bit like, Hey, I'm not a monster. You, if you could see the ways, the things that happened to me, like you'll understand, right? I love I love Jane's reaction, her acting here when she kind of like starts putting the pieces together yeah, and what's realizing coming. what's coming. It's really good. Like this reveal as well. That's almost kind of silly, but kind of makes sense, right? Like he was laying right on top of the body, yeah. and the vitamin just struck down and. And, and actually, if you there was a longer version of the shot where you could see that the the blade actually scratched his uh, cheek and his ear, and so he missed by nothing. Here's the moment of obviously Alex starting to turn into you know the, the different person, like really starting so doubting himself so much and be so scared of everything, and now he's like. He's been through so much that again, like more of these characters, he's like ready to to do something about it and, and not just being cowered in behind behind shelves. But uh, he takes a hammer and he's gonna do something about it. Ah, yes. Oh, the tar. 
this famous scene. <laughs> uh, Francesca, the the girl that played that uh, that character, she mm -hmm. really took it. Like she had to stay there still. That was really like a black, thick paint. And, uh, it was yeah. harmless, but it still was. It was terrible. And he had to just stay there and let the pain go up and not breathe. And, and uh, because if she blew it, doing the whole thing again it was <laughs> impossible. Yeah, now she did a yeoman job. Yeah. Like, like I love that the like the blind man has everything kind of planned ahead of. Like he knew that if she if she died, he wasn't going to go and bury her in the backyard and risking someone seeing her, seeing him doing that. So he had this plan to bury her. Or maybe you can, you can even think that once the she gave child. birth to the to the child, he yeah, was he was going to get rid of the body. That's kind sure. of what I thought. It yeah, was going to be because he really couldn't release her. But you never know what would happen by then. You mm -hmm. know, I yeah. mean, probably he didn't. He didn't know. I think in that aspect, I think because it's such a emotionally so complex for him i think he was trying you know on the plan that had right. to do with her trying to figure out like you know he will cross that bridge when he get there it's a joke it's a bad joke you tell me what god would allow so again one of those that the audience thinks they know what's going to happen like they think it's going to be a rape scene as some sort of just going to be there and and the whole motivation behind everything, all the weirdness that is going to follow it was that it was all for the sake of the character. Like we, we knew that the blind man being who he was and having the codes that he had, like he says now, I'm, I love the line that, uh, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a rapist. <laughs> and really put things, get you thinking about, oh, what he's going to do now. Like I said, what follows that really was for the sake of not just being perverted or like doing something super twisty. It was just that being who he was, we need to protect him, and we didn't want to have a scene where he puts his pants down. He's he's gonna be an animal. He was still have his morals, and he was gonna do it in a way that didn't require that. And right. And again, for people that are thinking this is some twisted movie thing that we came up with, turkey baster and the, and the sperm, is actually is actually the way you do it. Like, it's actually medically accurate. Like, if if a single mom wants to have kids at home and it would go to the sperm bank and it does... It's at, still at, pretty at, twisted. It is, but it, at, at, at home insemination is the way you do it. It's not I mean, uh, you to take be a honest, turkey baster and uh, that's the way you do it. It was a twisted idea, very twisted. Yeah. But it happened to be that... that then it was something yeah. that that now, occurs. That right? may be the single most disgusting moment in the film, <laughs> right there. <laughs> That's so weird. At the end of the day, look, it's it's what we we thought is fascinating about it. It's like, if that was blood and that was a knife, nobody will even flinch. Right. They go like, yeah. oh, whatever. Oh, but it's sperm in a turkey baster, and everybody loses their minds. <laughs> and that I don't get. I because, believe there was a hair. In yeah, there was a hair. In it. It is well. Everybody find it. Like, I remember seeing with the audience, and the audience was covering their mouth and getting all grossed out. And I was like, if it was guts and blood, nobody cares. It is, it is sperm, and everybody freaks out. I think that's fascinating. It tells a lot about who we are as a society. There's something strange about that. 
and nothing actually happened. Like it's, uh, we leave everything for the audience's imagination. They really nothing gets to happen there. He doesn't really get to do anything. And you know, I saw it with a room full of journalists, and they were <laughs> reacting just like a normal audience. What you're, they were reacting the way you described. I love this beat. I remember this was not in the script, and Fede called me during the shooting and said, "Hey, I added this small beat." Oh, the one where she coming one. Yeah, where she grabs the turkey baster and stick it into his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'll tell you and what, this baby. Is all, I... This is all you slang because I... <laughs> I was I don't even know how I dared to ask you to do that and but I did and, and I was I was hundred percent I was I had so many answers prepared for when you were gonna say no to me. <laughs> I was like, Okay, I know he's gonna say no way, I'm not gonna do that because it wasn't the script and then suddenly out of nowhere when I'm I'm about to roll out my list of answers why you should do it, as soon as I, as soon as I told you, you go like, Yeah, bring it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought it was you, you, know, you didn't even answer. It's like that. Know. It's like that old saying, you know, "suck one turkey baster." You know? <laughs> but he, I guess it is her revenge, and she deserves it. I think. And, and it's like when watching it with a female audience, is they, they definitely after suffering that moment of just pain, and then that nothing that happened with what they thought was going to happen. I think it's a great payback and deserve payback on her side totally to, to give it to him and see him doing that as much as hilarious and weird and funny it is i think it's a deserve moment for that for the audience just to to get that payback is so it's refreshing. totally earned is what it is i think yeah and that that makes it just fine i think here again one moment you suspect that it may be over, but again, because the music is not giving you anything, mm -hmm. the audience knows that this is not over. If the music was playing a refreshing, you know, conclusive t tune, you might think it's gone, but uh, it's not. You know, something's gone. Uh, I think it's just amazing that you take him out. Because the audience thinks it's gonna be her. I, ironically, I think a lot of people know they know someone's gonna die because the music is not playing and they're just at the door. You know, I you know, just looking over the shoulder, and 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 there has been enough time with the movie to know that something's gonna happen, but they don't know who's gonna die, who's gonna come back. All right, here's one of those moments that you you're begging for her to run as fast as she can, and this is you can see it in her eyes. This is really the end of the shooting, and this is a. Probably the last the last two days of shooting, and she's exhausted, and she's been through so much. And it really reflects uh, what's going on in the story. And here comes the dog. <laughs> Again, this is another nice transition between Detroit and this is Budapest, actually. Is it? We, we, uh. Yeah, we changed countries just like that. That's that's the beginning of the shooting. That's Detroit. Yeah. That's Budapest, sorry. Of course. So, yeah, but that, she goes over the fence, and we had the same fence in one country and the other, and we managed to do that stitch. And it was completely different, right? On the script, originally on the script, this wasn't like this. Almost this came out later. I think this might have been my first. This, I, actually, this is, yeah, you're completely right. That's actually the first moment you showed up on set. Yeah. 
this scene must it was definitely the most complex scene mm. for me to shoot an old movie and it actually it was an ongoing thing it was i think there wasn't basically there was every week almost of this of the shooting of this movie of this out of the um, 45 days of shooting like there was every five days something like that we were coming back to this car to pick something up hmm. because it was so complex and and uh, so tricky to get to move around the car and and to get and put, yeah more, most importantly it was so tricky to get the dog to do the things he had to do right. because jane was doing her job fantastically as you can see right here but but the dog was so it was so demanding for the dog and so we were constantly coming back and during the whole making of the movie there was always a second unit like adding shots to this to the sequence which i think makes it uh, so complete at the end it works yeah. so well for me but but it's very very demanding with actually two cars one 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 of the cars was cut in half and uh you know unable to get the camera in there this is actually the half car and again here like you know the blind man's coming like the audience knows the blind man's coming she should whatever she's gonna do she better be fast yeah <laughs> she, but she's so uh, intrepid yeah, yeah. The dog is around, so there's no way to come out. And one of those tricky puzzles. And this is actually, um, we're trying to figure out how she was going to come out of the car and what was the thing she was going to do. And because we changed this from original, what was in the script and um, in pre-production. And, and I remember it was a Matthew, Matthew Hart, the, the line producer on this movie looking at the car and we were all of us scratching our heads and looking at the car and trying to figure out how to come out of this situation if we were if we were rocky and uh, and he said uh and uh matthew came out uh, with the idea of what about this cord basically the whole uh, the whole idea of like at the end using the cord to trap the dog inside right. the house inside the, right. the car oh. oh this was insane. this is the scene gets really gnarly oh yeah <laughs> Because that was all real, like oh, it was all real, like. But it was so tricky to do—the punching, the fake, the click. Like. Did the dog actually get that close to her? Um, no, nah, no. Nah. I think the, the 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 side shot is a composition of shots. But yes, there was a stunt double, which was actually the owner of the dog, uh, and it was the, this woman and 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 some of those shots. That's the one. There's a combination of many things. And actually, yeah. if you take a close look, oh, there you go. The, that's your first moment, yes, in the movie. I think this this one here is actually the punch and the cut to this moment here. And uh, we'll back in the we beginning. Are. Back at the beginning of the film. Which is one of those strange things where, you know, it's even very... though you star there, the audience tends to forget about those openings. Uh, but they've been through so much by this point. Yeah. And, you know, the ones that are overthinking it, maybe they do remember it, but a lot of people just forget it. And then suddenly you're back there and you go, oh, yeah, that was... Right, that exactly. Was, they told me about it. Should I know better? She was going to get caught. It's elegant. And this this is definitely one of those moments that uh, we got so lucky on the shooting. Like, uh, again, very hot day. The Wrangler showed up uh, and he had just one ladybug. Just literally one ladybug, and I'm and I'm a, I'm a completely determined to not do a CG ladybug because I didn't do it at the beginning. I wasn't going to do it now. And he puts the ladybug on her hand and 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 does the perfect thing that spread the wings, 
and flies away like right in front of us. Mm. But the first time he did it, the, the ladybug did it. We, we weren't rolling, did so fast, and we didn't roll on it, and, and we lost the ladybug. And then it was everybody in the room trying to find the ladybug. And, and someone finds it on the drapes, takes it, put it back in the hand, and it happens. And, uh, and we managed to get that beautiful shot. Again, like I, I can't help but feel pity for the blind man now. Like it's one of those, you know, he's done. Like if he can, if he can hear anything, like there's gonna be very hard for him to get her. And Roque music, Roque Banya's own score, like start. It's not just the sounds. The music comes in. This was all pretty freewheel in here. This was all. Remember, we the camera, we we didn't have yeah. a. Uh, we had a blueprint, but. Uh, Kind of making it up. Yeah. As we went in the shooting. There she comes. Yeah. And there was again, like I think on the script, there was so many versions of this ending <laughs> because it was hard for us morally to understand what was to really find an answer to to what was the right thing to do and how the movie should end. Because we thought that he died, the audience might feel bad about it, like strangely being such a you know, being a guy that did something so terrible, like still just dying like that in his house with something that felt wrong. And But m most importantly, what was the thing that we really changed in the script many times, and uh, it was if she was going to get away with it or not. Mm. I, I don't know if you noticed that, but I love how you, you can see the glare in his uh, eyes. You can see a couple of spots of light that mm -hmm. kind of tells yeah. you that he might not be dead. It's gorgeous. Little pinpricks of light. Yeah. And here in this moment, there used to be one of the endings that I that I still liked was that she that wasn't the script that when I was shot that she heard the the, the sirens of the cars of the cops, but they were going to be closer. They're, you're going to see the lights coming through the windows. I mean, not the lights. You will notice the cars outside. And what she would do is she will take the money and put it back in the safe. And, and that was the only way to get saved. To, to basically, if she wasn't taking the money, there was no way mm -hmm. to prove that she was trying to steal anything. Uh -huh. And she was trying to get away with that. But it was it was one of those that we felt it wasn't realistic. Or And even if that happened, it would have been very complicated. So at the end, we said, like, okay, she's going to... We're not going to do a Hollywood ending where she does the right thing and give back the money, which actually wasn't the script. That there was a version where she actually went to the police and gave back the money at the end. Uh, I think at the end we, we decided that this was going to be some sort of pact between criminals. When she learns that the guy is the the, the blind man is still alive, and the blind man is, is not saying anything about what about the money, and uh, she got away with the money, so you know it's a, a pact between them. They're going to be uh, they're going to keep that secret and they're going to be save well it would be a huge disappointment if she didn't keep the money yeah yeah of <laughs> I course mean, if she get it know, back i mean for for everyone i mean for, including the viewer i think yeah you know uh yeah the money i mean the everything would have been completely meaningless if she didn't have the money because it becomes about her sister it yeah. becomes it becomes about the dream of california yeah and it becomes now it becomes about the possibility of the sequel. Yeah, but here I love this moment. They're like so yeah. eerie. Like you don't. 
it's not even though it looks like a happy ending like story wise oh, sure. it definitely doesn't look like a happy ending because we thought that, that, that like she, she's living with the money and with her sister and everything seems to go well but oh you know he's never she's never going to sleep well anymore right? yeah she knows she's a criminal from well, now on remember when we shot the um the blind man in the train station? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, that shot, if that continued, you were going to show up in there, and then you were actually going to see the blind man behind her, which you're never going to see the face, so it was one of those things that you might think it was him or not. So, But I, I, I'm, I'm happy with the end the way it is, that you know there, there's a price she's going to pay, that is, she's never going to be at peace, and she mm -hmm. knows that that guy is alive, and uh, who knows, he might go after her someday. This is, a, this is a title sequence that I personally designed. I love it. I did it. I just I didn't want to have just black titles against you know white That's titles against black, and we and I create this no, sequence. It's totally cool. Just to revisit the places in the house that I spent so much time. In. Well, and that concludes this commentary. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for watching.